God, right now I still my mind in order to receive what you have. We are here for you, God. Nothing else. Spirit, we give you permission to speak to us, to point out things in our lives that need to be shown. Amen. All right, you guys ready? So last week, we started a new series called Beneath the Surface, the Reality of the Spiritual Realm. During our six-week study, our desire is for us to spend time exploring the unseen, to look together beneath the surface of our seen reality in order to see the powers that are heavily influencing our days. As a teaching team, there are two different lenses that we all want, that we hope that we all use as we walk through this. First one, the spiritual world is just as real as the physical. This statement might be difficult for you to hear. We have all been raised in a scientific and proof-based culture that desperately clings to the notion that if something is real, right, it must be tangibly proven. Otherwise, it must not exist. Because we are unable to put the spiritual realm under a microscope or in a box on a display table, we foolishly believe that it does not exist. But it is just as real as the oxygen that you are breathing and the gravity that is holding you in place. In the same way that Isaac Newton wasn't able to show people what gravity looked like, but was able to show them what it does, we each have stories that prove the existence of, the entire, of, the, of an entirely different world that we cannot see. Times when our physical lives were directly influenced in ways, both good and bad, that were logically unexplainable. And it's not just us. All of human history is full of historical accounts of the miraculous. Because of evidences like these, it is crucial that we view life through the lens that the spiritual world is indeed real and that it has far more influence on our daily lives than we want to believe. You know, the second filter that I, we hope that we walk through, see things through, is that we need to be studying the Bible to see what is true. Last Sunday, Chris pointed out that we live in an extremely spiritual culture. You know, the more people I meet, the more explanations I hear about the unseen, about the spiritual realm. There are so many ideas of why the unexplainable occurs. Instead of allowing ourselves to get caught up in chasing the wind and following Hollywood, we should continually go back to what is proven to be true, the Bible. You know, there is no other document that is as historically verifiable as the Bible. And there is no other book that has changed the world like the Bible. From a historical and philosophical perspective, the Bible is the top of the totem pole of presenting truth. Because of this, our goal in this series is to discover what the Bible tells us about what lies beneath the surface, for our eyes to be open to a different world that is just as real as the one that we can see. You know, this week and next, we're going to be looking at the two different sides of the spiritual realm, two different kingdoms, the kingdom of the light and the kingdom of the darkness, Amen. right? Today, we're going to be looking at the kingdom of the light. And my hope as a teacher, to make this a little bit easier to remember, we're going to, look at th we're going to answer three different questions. What is it? What does it bring to our world? And what should we do with it? So starting with that question, what is it? What is the kingdom of light? Simply put, it is the source of all life. Let's look at the Bible, where I get this from. Genesis 1, 1, 
first verse. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth. John 1, talking about Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. Notice the capital W. That's a person. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Let's do one more. Colossians. He... Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Catch this. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers. All things have been created through him and for him. I know you guys have heard these verses before. You've heard this, this idea, this concept. Each of these verses speak directly to the fact that there was a starting point to all that we know. That life was created by a spiritual being that must have endless power. Personally, this is one of my favorite, and I also think one of the best ways to think about the deeper truths of life. By going to the most basic elements, by following the rabbit trail all the way back to the beginning. You know, so often people spend their time pondering their purpose, wondering if they have worth, and trying so hard to be happy, maybe even better, content. And all of these things are crucial to living your life well. But to find the right answer, we must go back to the very beginning. Now, if we are simply byproducts of evolution, the current highest form of life that evolved out of primordial soup, then our search for purpose, our worth, our contentment are meaningless. We are here today by chance, gone tomorrow into nothingness. There is no value in our existence other than to do whatever feels best in the moment. Each person is only a random collection of cells that just happen to come together in the ways that they have. And this is what is so often taught as scientific truth in the classes of academia. Because of this, our culture operates in the ways that we do. Whatever is good for you is good for you. Generate your own truth and try the best you can to create your own worth and purpose. Right? You might do it, you might not, but oh well. Whatever is good for you is good for you. Now while, there's still, while there is evidence, pieces of evidence, for the concept of evolution, what happens if we continue all the way back to the very beginning? What happens if we use science to answer the question, how did it all start? You guys are starting to see what I love, apologetics. I got a chance to dig into science to prove the Bible to you. Now, prior to 1929, scientists operated firmly out of the belief that the universe had always existed, that matter had always been there, and so after billions and billions of years, it evolved into what we now know. But in 1929, an astronomer named Edwin Hubble observed a phenomenon that would change the scientific world forever. Through his telescope, he was able to see that the light measured from various stars appeared to be red. He determined that if light from a distant galaxy is red, that means it is moving away from Earth, right? Something known as the redshift effect. In a nutshell, if distant galaxies are moving away from Earth, that means the universe is continually expanding, which means there was a starting point. As I'm sure we all know, this discovery is known as the Big Bang Theory a theory that proposes the universe had a beginning, 
For whatever reason, I simply lumped the Big Bang Theory in with the rest of Darwin and his evolution. Right, anybody else do that? But believe it or not, the Big Bang Theory, a strongly verifiable scientific belief, points to the fact that there must be some kind of supreme being that started it all. Something cannot start from nothing. So something or someone must have started it all. Right, and this isn't just me. Let me read you some quotes from a, a man named Stephen Hawking. Anybody know that name? One of the foremost scientists, right? He's right up there with Einstein. Almost everyone now believes that the universe and time itself had a beginning at the Big Bang. He goes on. The odds against a universe like ours emerging out of something like the Big Bang are enormous. I think there are clearly religious implications. It would be very difficult to explain why the universe would have begun in just this way, except as the act of a God who intended to create beings like us. Many people do not like the idea that time has a beginning, probably because it smacks of di divine intervention. Right, this is from one of the most brilliant scientists known to man. By using the scientific method and our beautiful brains, humanity has been able to determine that everything we know came out of nothing because of a single act of creation. According to the Bible, God spoke our world into being. Now, regardless of whether you see the creation account as six literal days or metaphors for millions of years of what happened, why does every form of life exist? Because of God. Right? Because of the ruler of the kingdom of light. Without him, there would be nothing. Because of him, there is everything. He is a source of all life. That means he's also the reason why you exist today. You know I love the way David puts it in Psalms 139. For it was you, talking about God, who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me, when none of them as yet existed. Man, when you begin here, the fact that you have been intentionally created by an all-powerful being who meticulously engineered our reality so that we could exist, it speaks volumes to your worth. The fact that you've been created for a purpose and that contentment is something you can find. And I hope you understand the importance of what I am saying. If you live out of the reality that you and everything you know was made for a reason, it will utterly change your view of life. So a definitive answer to that first question, what is the kingdom of light? It is the source of all life. Please, if nothing else today, hang on to that, meditate on that while you walk around and you see what this world has. Bring it back to the very beginning. So question number two, what does it bring to our world? Now in following logic, right, if the kingdom of light is the source of all light, then it must also bring life to our worlds. According to James 1.17, everything good we have ultimately comes from God. Do I got that one, James? Thank you. Every generous act of giving 
with every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Man, I love how inclusive this statement is. Every generous act of giving, every perfect gift is from above. Because God is fully good, that means that every good thing that you have had, that you currently have, or that you ever will have, is a gift from him. And that means that he is the reason why we have beautiful spring days like today. Right? Or you receive the love and joy from a puppy. I got one last week. You guys ever experienced that? Right? God is also the reason why you have the people in your life that you love so much. Your parents, your spouse, your kids, your friends. God is also the reason why you have everything you need to stay alive and to even be comfortable. That means he's the reason for your house, your cars, your fridge, your mountain bike, your boat, right? your ability to take vacations, your functional and extremely capable body. These are all gifts from God. Right? He's also the reason why you feel the emotions that we, all, that we all long for, like joy and peace and love. The type of love you feel when you see your kid acting really cute, right? But also the type of love that you feel when your spouse looks at you in that way and it ignites that passion. You guys know what I'm talking about? Those things that fuel us is from God himself. He's also the reason why you have the unique talents and traits that you have. It's because of the way that you've been created. Aaron's ability to play the drums is because that's the way God made him. Right? Dean's ability to heal animals is because that's the skill that the almighty maker of everything put into him. Right? Dee's love for kids has been given to her by the creator of everything. Right? Mark's humor, appropriate or not, has been knit into the fiber of his being by the maker of all. Right? At this point, I hope you understand the idea that I'm proposing. Now, if your mind is at all doubting whether or not these good things come solely from God, like I mentioned from the beginning, trace them all the way back to the start. Right? If, you're, if you do so, it's so easy to attribute the beauty of nature and the ways that it continually provides to us to its maker. It's also just as easy to see all the people in your life that bring you so much love and joy being able to do so because that's the way that they were made. He intentionally designed them to be who they are. And the same is true for you. Like David said in the Psalms that we just read, God knit you together in your mother's womb. He intentionally designed you with your unique strengths and desires. Also, your life has been laid out before him long before it even existed. Let's look at Ephesians 2.10. I bring this one up all the time. For we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. Take a moment to think about that. The one who created absolutely everything, right, this world, knit it all together, also prepared beforehand things for you to do to be your way of life. And out of this intimate understanding of your days, he has the ability and desire to play an active role in your life. Since he is the source of all that is good, that means he is the one that has provided you with all the opportunities that have made your life what it is. 
since I got the microphone, let me give you some examples from my life. Right? God is the reason why I met the woman of my dreams only three weeks after we both returned from Hawaii, but never met on those islands. Right? He's also the reason why we found the perfect apartment that just happened to be a half block from a church that would be used to change my life. God is the reason why I was asked to take kids climbing at a summer camp during which I would meet the director of a Bible school from North Carolina that I would go to years later that would literally transform my world. God is also the reason why Rosalind and I, my wife, miscalculated our natural planning and the first mishap we got pregnant, right, which forced us to return back to Rapid City, which then allowed us to see the opportunity we had to buy an amazing business and to be a part of a church that was in the startup phase. He is also the reason why I was prepared to best handle a traumatic brain injury. Because he called me away from a glorified position as a high school teacher three years before the shot to my noggin, right, and moved me into a pool boy and a maintenance man at a lodge, I was able to continue to work and provide for my family even though my brain was running at 50%. If he hadn't done that, if I was still a teacher, which I had been for years prior, my whole world and the world of my family would have collapsed. Because of the power of hindsight, I can go on and on about the times when it is now obvious that God stepped into my days in order for me to be able to experience more of his generous acts of giving, more of his perfect gifts to me. And if you spend time reflecting on your life through that lens, the fact that everything worthwhile comes from the source of life, I promise you, you'll see the exact same thing. It requires you to stop, right, and think back. But it is there, undeniable proof that God has been providing you with ways of life all the way along. And he is the sole reason that you have all that you have. Without him, you would have nothing of value. Because of him, you have so much value. Again, this speaks volumes to your worth, your purpose, and your ability to be content. And in his goodness, it's not limited only to the physical. It is also lavishly poured out in the spiritual. Like I mentioned before, there are two different kingdoms in the spiritual realm, the light and the darkness. Next week, Derek's going to help us better understand the darkness. But in one sentence, the darkness brings the opposite of life, death. If the kingdom of darkness had total authority over our lives, we would have none of the good things that we have been talking about. But because there are two competing kingdoms with opposite ideologies, that means that we are living in the midst of a battle in the unseen. Light versus dark. Life versus death. And in the same way that the light has the ability to influence our tangible reality, so does the darkness. Check out the way that Peter says it. Discipline yourself. Keep alert. Like a roaring lion, your adversary, the devil, prowls around looking for someone to devour. But, right? Some people have referred to that as the divine but. But because of who the king of light is, the darkness that we have all been born into has no permanent hold on our lives. 
When Jesus, the one who created everything, stepped into our world drowning in darkness and willingly sacrificed his light, he shattered the hold that that kingdom had on mankind. Through his atoning death and resurrection, everything changed spiritually for those who have cried out to him. I love the way Paul puts it in Colossians 1. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power, and may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father. Check out what he's done. Who has enabled or empowered you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. One day when the sky rolls back and the supremely victorious king of kings returns, darkness and death will be completely defeated. Like Chris mentioned last week, we must continually hang on to the hope that we have in Jesus. Someday, all pain and all loss will be swallowed up forever. But because of how good our creator is, he fully engages in our spiritual battle in the here and now. Like we saw last week in the story of Elisha, an army of the kingdom of light was protecting the people of Israel. Let's look at it again. 2 Kings 6. When an attendant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. That's physical, right? The king of Samaria was coming to destroy. His servant said, Alas, master, what shall we do? Elijah, Elisha replied, Do not be afraid, for there are more with us than there are with them. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, please open his eyes that he might see. So the Lord opened the eyes of his servant, and he saw. The mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Now, please, please do not dismiss, as something, dismiss this as something that only happens in the Bible. As far as I can tell, nothing has changed in the spiritual realm. The evidence of both light and darkness is all around us. Therefore, the war is still being waged in the unseen, and God and his army are actively protecting his people. God is doing far more in your life than you will ever know, doing what he, what he needs to do in order for his will to be done in your life and the lives around you. And we also see this in the book of Daniel. Daniel 10. At that time, I, Daniel, had been mourning for three weeks. I had, not, I had eaten no rich food, no meat or wine had entered my mouth, and I had not anointed myself at all for the full three weeks. So he'd been fasting, more or less. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I looked up and I saw a man clothed in linen, with a belt of gold from uphaz around his waist. His body was like burl, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like a roar of a multitude. I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. The people who were with me did not see the vision, though a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone to see this great vision. My strength left me and my complexion grew deathly pale. I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words. And when I heard the sound of his words, I fell into a trance, face to the ground. But then a hand touched me and roused me, on, roused me to my hands and knees. He said to me, Daniel, greatly beloved, pay attention to the words that I'm going to speak to you. Stand on your feet, for I now have been sent to you. 
So while he was speaking this word to me, I stood up trembling. He said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia opposed me 21 days. So Michael, one of the chief princes, came to me, came to help me, and I left him there with the prince of the kingdom of Persia. And I have come to help you understand what is to happen to your people at the end of, day, end of days. For there is a further vision for those days. All right. It's a good passage to read 25 minutes into a sermon, isn't it? <laughs> Daniel 10. Go back and look at this. We have no time at all to unpack it. But what I want you to see is the reality of the spiritual world and the ways that it is continually interacting with our seen reality. God, the king of everything, wants to speak to you. He wants to give his truth and his will for your life. But Satan, the ruler of the kingdom of darkness, wants to do everything he can to keep this life-changing truth away from you. This passage shows one of the reasons why we don't immediately hear from God when we ask him questions, why his light doesn't always simply pour upon us immediately. Because the enemy is doing everything he can to keep us out of the light. So our third question, what do we do with this? With all this truth that we've been unpacking, what do we do? But the fact that everything we have that is good is ultimately from a creator who wants to directly interact with, our, with us each and every day. But there is also an enemy prowling around looking for those to devour. What do we do with this reality? Both Daniel and Peter give us some insights. If you wouldn't mind pulling that last one up. From Daniel. From the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God. Your words have been heard and I have come because of your words. Before Peter talks about this, the devil prowling around, he says, discipline yourself. Keep alert. In order for more of God's light his goodness to stream into your world, you need to set your minds to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God. You need to discipline yourself in, way, in the ways that you live, being more intentional, intentional about how you spend your time. For Daniel, he chose to fast. Maybe that's appealing for you as well. Or maybe it could be something entirely different, like reading a portion of the Bible every morning or spending time meditating on the truths from God before the rat race begins. It could also be practicing Sabbath once a week, once a month, take a day where you pull away from all work to simply rest. Maybe it's volunteering in places like Love, Inc. or the Cornerstone. It could be joining or starting a small group where you gather together with others on a regular basis to focus in on what is true, on that light. And there are so many different ways for you to do this. But bottom line, in order for us to be able to receive more and more of the life that only the, our maker can bring, we must set our minds to gain understanding and to humble ourselves before our God. And if you need some ideas, there's a handout somewhere near you. Five different ones, one for each day, Monday through Friday, to walk you through tangible ways to set your mind on God. 
you know, as the band leads us into deeper, deeper into worship, I strongly encourage you to ponder on the things that God has brought into your life. Right? Things that if you did not have them, you would not have the life that you have now. Believe it or not, gratitude is a form of the spiritual disciplines.